You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. Welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast, your complete cards coverage. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy. I'm the co-host of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We get to talk and preview a bit of the playoff picture in the NFC, how the Cardinals stack up, as well as look at the upcoming opponent that has a lot of connections, honestly, to Arizona, particularly through the relationship between Cliff Kingsbury and Bill Belichick, as well as Kyler Murray wearing number one and Cam Newton um, kind of maybe near um, at least a little bit further along toward the end of his career in that regard uh, for the New England Patriots. Here to talk with me all about that is my co-host, Johnny Venerable. And, John, the Cardinals get to go on the road for what should be a pretty cold game with a, a pretty banged-up Cardinals team right now for the most part, but it's not nearly as either banged up or depleted of talent as this New England team has been over uh, the past year coming in with – so many defensive players opting out and losing Tom Brady and kind of looking like uh, not the Patriots that we've seen of the past. Yeah, good afternoon, good morning. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome to the ROTB podcast. And, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Blake. This is a game on the surface that the Cardinals should win. Uh, I tweeted this out earlier this week, just, you know, going up and down this this Patriots roster, watching um, replays of the last several games for New England, uh, they have been gutted of any and all talent that they've had that's attributed to, to majority of their success over the last half decade. And yes, a lot of that was Tom Brady, but you look at, you know, defensive staples like, you know, Dante Hightower, he's gone. Their defensive line is just absolutely decimated. And then I think where they struggle the most is, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, they can scheme with the best of them. But at the end of the day, and we've talked about this before, Blake, you know, you've, you've got to have talent in the NFL to win. And this is a team that their number one wide receiver, tell me if you've heard this before, is Demir Bird, who actually had a breakout game last week. He's on pace as the former Cardinal for over 800 yards receiving. But as a team this year, I believe they have roughly four to five touchdown passes coming from Cam Newton. Um, he has not been what we saw earlier in the season. He's got seven interceptions, just looks like a beat-up player, and, and that's what happens. He's been in the league for a while. He's been run over, run through, and had a lot of physical years with Carolina and just, to, for whatever reason, just doesn't look like the same player. Uh, and then, you know, Damian Harris is a nice running back, but he, he I wouldn't consider him special. He's a uh, Alabama stalwart, just like Kenyon Drake, but... You know, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, the offensive line is is beat up. They're missing a lot of their really uh, key, you know, interior players like <clears throat> Isaiah Wynn. You know, John Tunney's a nice player, Shaq Mason. But, you know, for the most part, you know, who's going to be starting at left tackle for them this weekend, Blake? Former Arizona Cardinals seventh-round pick Corey Cunningham, which is, which is crazy to think. The Cardinals shipped him out of town a couple years ago to New England. I just think that on paper – this is, a t this is a game the Cardinals should win, and I think should win handedly. And this Patriots team is not opposed to being, or excuse me, is not immune to being blown out. They've, they've been blown out by the Chiefs. They, they got destroyed by the Niners 33-6. They've been out physical by the likes of the Texans most recently, the Bills. I mean, just it's not a great football team. 
and the Cardinals walk in. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Foxborough, which, oh, by the way, it's supposed to be 52 and sunny on Sunday when they play. The Cardinals are coming off a 10-day mini-buy of sorts following their Seattle uh, Thursday night loss um, last week. So, I mean, everything points to this team being able to come out with a victory. I just think that the biggest matchup that you know we may or may not be talking about is just you know Cliff Kingsbury versus Bill Belichick. Um, what is that going to do to a young coach that you know has struggled against some of the more senior coaching um, st- stalwarts in the NFL? But I think what can make Cardinal fans a little bit more at ease um, is that the Houston Texans, granted, was at home just knocked off New England and Deshaun Watson basically did whatever he wanted to do in route to three total touchdowns, almost 400 total yards of offense. And, you know, they fired Bill O'Brien. I, I can't remember wh- who their interim coach is. Um, he's a, he's a Romeo Cornell's running their team right now. So I, I, yes, Romeo's got more experience than Cliff, but I just, the, the, the Texans just gave you the blueprint last week if you needed one just to say, like, well, how do you beat this team? And Deshaun and Kyler are not the same player by any means, but there there there's enough similarities between the two that you can exploit what has been evident with this defense, that it's slow, it doesn't have the horses it used to. Stephon Gilmore already mentioned this week, Blake, that he, you know, he's going to be covering DeAndre Hopkins. That's a favorable matchup for Arizona considering Gilmore has not looked great this year. You know, the pass rush for New England is just, it's just not a great team. This is a team that is probably going to be picking in the top 10 to 12 in the NFL draft. They are only competitive really because of Bill Belichick. And they've been outscored this year, 238 to 209. They're actually giving up, if you can believe it, Blake, the same amount of points per game that the Cardinals are are giving up at 23.8 points per game. But they're scoring right around 20 points per game. So, I mean, if the Cardinals can get into a groove offensively, if Murray is able to be comfortable in the pocket like he has so many times this year outside of the Seattle game. The Cardinals ought to be able to roll into Foxborough and put up 30 points and have a victory party, you know, <laughs> right after the game. But if 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 we see Cliff Kingsbury get conservative, if the Cardinals aren't uh, able to stop the run, Damian Harris is their best player offensively, and if the if the offensive line is not going to play up to what we've been accustomed to to, to begin this year, it's going to be a lot closer than we think, but I, this is we're we're at the point now, Blake, where every game, in my opinion, is until we reach a certain amount, nine, ten wins, it's a must win. Um, you can't drop a game. You can't go two and two against the AFC East and drop a game to New England in the process. Not this team. Not with Kyler Murray. You have too big of an advantage. Um, so I like the Cardinals in this game. I do think it'll be close through three quarters, but I just think. The Cardinals' offensive firepower versus New England's inability to score points, you would think points to the Cardinals becoming or being victorious in this contest. Yeah, John, the Cardinals are a team that uh, up to this point has been the number one ranked offense in the league, like you said. And as far as points per game, they're not leading as far as with points per game. Uh, They're probably ranked somewhere around the top 10, though, whereas the offensive side of the ball for... The Patriots, like you said, it's been mostly average. They're in the bottom third as far as for offensive points per game. Uh, Yards per game, they're about in the middle of the pack. So you look at the matchup and you say, all right, you got to probably Cardinals defense has been about average at least. It went from being a top 10 defense and has shrunk a bit over the past few weeks, which is to be expected when you play, you know, three to four playoff teams back to back to back. 
the Patriots overall, like you said, with offensively, they've not been able to really get the ball into the end zone as consistently. I think a lot of that has to do with the weapons that they've had this year and how they stacked their team on the offensive side. It just has not been overall as great as years past. You're talking about, like you said, Jacoby Myers has started to break out a bit. Demir Bird has started to break out a bit. But a lot of those passing attacks, at least, have still been on a 4-6 and six team. And the biggest thing that we've seen overall is the Patriots are just not as effective at running the football as they were to begin the year with Cam Newton. Some of that may be practice. Um, the passing attack that we've been able to see is mirrored a lot of what we've seen from New England in the past as far as trying to find some of these pass-catching running backs, trying to make some of these quick throws. Uh, really, we hadn't seen the deep passing attack take off at all until Demir Bird emerged last week. But when you take a look at how the Patriots are you know, average on offense this year, how their defense has been average this year, like you go up and down the line and figure out what's kind of the weakness that this Patriots team had. Why are they average despite the fact that they've been and relatively good at stopping the pass this year overall, and it's that run defense. Up front, their best front seven player overall, if you had to look at it, is probably Chase Winovich, the outside linebacker. But otherwise, you had all sorts of opt-outs. They've got Lawrence Guy at defensive tackle, but they just have a bunch of essentially guys who are, would be backups on most teams of the ones you're going to be looking at as far as your front seven players. Josh Yush is a nice pass rusher, but really the strength of this Patriots team is in that secondary uh, with the McCourty twins, J.C. Jackson, uh, Stephon Gilmore. They even have uh, as a special teams unit, Justin Bethel, former Cardinal standout, is on that team now. Uh, give credit to Belichick for always finding some sort of special teams magic there. What I think at least the key to this is that the Cardinals are one of the best rushing teams in the league. They didn't really run the ball well or effectively last week. Part of that hinges on they weren't willing to run Kyler Murray. And the Patriots are a strong passing unit, passing attack. And when you talk about Stephon Gilmore likely being matched up onto DeAndre Hopkins, who we'll, we'll see what goes on with Hopkins given the fact that uh, he was out of practice today. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday. He was out of practice, listed with an illness. And there's been no sign or word if there's been anything related to COVID-19 with that. It would be expected he'd go on the COVID list if that were the case. Uh, overall, I think, John, this is the chance where when you look about how the Cardinals' strength is in the run game and then when they can not turn the ball over and not make mistakes, that's been part of what's made them you know, an efficient offense, able to pick up plays on third and long, um, sometimes with Kyler running his legs. If he's capable of doing that, you don't see the team limited offensively uh, due to the sprained AC joint in his shoulder. They should be able to at least run over the Patriots, and in some of that cases, at least, you're also looking at Cam Newton his efficiency has declined a lot, and part of that is due to the fact that at age 30, he just doesn't seem to have the same burst running anymore. Not that he's not a good runner. He's still a very good, effective runner. But that original burst as far as with the speed or even being able to truck guys, essentially, it just doesn't seem like it's there like it used to be. And in that spot, it means that the Patriots, in a lot of ways, may have to then rely on the passing attack and not making mistakes or turning it over. Cam has always been one of those guys who uh, we like kind of say it's it's almost like if you looked at this alternate universe Russell Wilson who still took the same amount of sacks but didn't make some of the same smart savvy you know like check down or toss it away. Cam would just take too much on his plate sometimes, try to basically play the hero or play the hero ball, and he'd get in trouble for it, either throwing an ill-advised interception or taking a sack or at a bad time. I think this is a game where the Cardinals defense needs to step up. 
um, allow the offense to kind of, if they win the toss or not, at least be able to get a lead, have the defense hold, and then force a mistake from the Patriots. If you can do that, I think that this is a game the Cardinals could go. Now, that being said, John, as we saw last week against the Seahawks, this could also easily go the other way in terms of if Kyler's standing back there, the Cardinals are forced to throw the ball, and he just gets mixed up as far as seeing these great corners, seeing that coverage. Then ultimately, I think that is going to be a problematic thing for the Cardinals. This is not a game that I think the Cardinals um, should handily win. It's it's a game that I think I expect to be close and down to the wire. I could see New England being able to walk away with the win if they're able to limit their mistakes. And in that in that aspect, John, burden of proof goes on to this Cardinals offense. If you're the number one offense in the NFL, going up an average defense, that should be enough for you to be able to make enough big plays on the ground against a bad. New England front seven, then that way you'll be able to hopefully, hey, force them to have to bring guys into the box, get another one-on-one matchup or two, get some guys at least who are able to scheme open. Uh, The pressure this week, I think, is on Cliff, not just to design a running game that's able to take advantage of this, uh, but also be able to design a passing game where Belichick isn't simply able to just fool Kyler Murray into, you know, throwing a pick to J.C. Jackson like so many guys have done. The Houston Texans last week did a phenomenal job, and some of it came on Deshaun Watson just being able to essentially read the right reads, make plays. I think that's where this week what I'm expecting to see is not necessarily that you know that the you get the best of the New England secondary in terms of you know throwing darts all over the place for that one. I think it's about recognizing, hey, you're probably going to get time in the pocket because you know Watson didn't take any sacks last week. Um, being able to kind of have some guys who can break free for some big plays, I think at least is key. And if the Cardinals are able to pull that off, I think it will be solid. Cause if you don't, John, you run the risk of becoming then a six and five team that still has to play the Rams twice. You're still going to get a huge game against the Niners. And when you're talking about some of these games against the Giants and the Eagles that are going to be, uh, for sure, I think both of them are on the road, unless I'm mistaken, at least. It's going to be at least a two very, very close call by being able to secure a win against the Patriots. And like you said, not dropping two games in a row. Uh, that, I think, needs to be the biggest thing for Arizona. It's going to be very interesting to see as far as, you know, what Kyler looks like. Is it going to be whatever we see on Sunday we'll expect for the rest of the year? Is it going to be... Seeing what we saw against the Seahawks, where the rushing attack is gone, Kyler has to kind of, you know, just deal with the pain, try to make some plays in the passing game and hang around late. Because I don't think that's sustainable if that's going to be the model that the Cardinals have. And if they come into this game down at the half, having to make a second half comeback with the way the Patriots run the football, at least hasn't been as effective as it's been in years past, but it's still been very well designed. And that's what gives me a bit of cause for concern. Well, here's what I'll say: the Cardinals were five and two, and and now they're six and four. Right? They've gone one and two in their last three games, and that's and they're probably a, a hell mary away from being, you know, who knows, zero and three. They're or still do, two and two against game. all those playoff teams. Right. That was the key. That's right. That was the key, and they well, checked and off that the box. They can't. They can't. They can't get in a position in which. You let a five and two start go for not. Um, I, you and I have talked. I think nine wins is going to get this team to the playoffs, considering what the Bears and the Vikings have coming up. I, I just think that I think the Cardinals are going to get to ten wins, but I think nine wins is going to put them in the postseason. Outside of maybe the season finale at the Rams, which who knows on January third 
Are the Rams going to be sitting players? We don't know. They could have already won the division, and they've, they've got their seed locked up, and they're sitting guys, right? Outside of that game, in my opinion, the Cardinals could and, and might should be favored in every other game the rest of the year. They're favored on the road against New England this week. The only one that might be a toss-up is at home against the Rams um, on December 6th. But then they'll be favored against the Giants, even at the Giants. The, they get the Eagles and the Niners at home on the 20th and the 27th of December. So you're looking at a scenario in which, at worst, you're going to be a favorite in four of the next six games. If you're not coming out of that little stretch there with with three wins at minimum, that is an indictment on Cliff Kingsbury, especially when you, you're you going to have a quarterback advantage now in every game moving forward. We've gotten past the the... The, the Seahawks, where you could argue it's a coin flip between he and Russ. Russ is probably having the better overall passing season. You know, there's no more Josh Allens on the schedule. You're getting a lot of cams, some Nick Mullins, Jared Goff, who I like, but just through two interceptions on Monday Night Football is a complete statue. Danny Dimes, Carson Wentz, who's been a disaster. I mean, like, at the end of the day, what is the most important attribute in the NFL is who's your quarterback, right? And if the Cardinals have a healthy Kyler Murray – then they should be favored in most every game, and they should get to, to 9 to 10 wins. And I think this weekend is no different. You go into this game with a – I mean, Cam Newton is a shell of himself, like you mentioned, Blake, because I, I think Kyler and Cam's paths mirror each other in a lot of different ways. And if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast, I've, I've talked about it just because I think Kyler's path to success in terms of you know winning a division, getting into the postseason – is very similar to Cam's, whereas Cam took three years to, to either, I think they won the NFC South his third year, um, but I think they went like 5-11, and 7-9, and nine, then they won, won it his third year. And to me, Kyler always had a similar uphill climb because of where the Cardinals picked, number one overall, just like Cam. They both inherited horrifically bad uh, offenses that they've had to basically lift up from the dead. And in Cam's situation... The, the Carolina Panthers had actually, very similar to the Cardinals, I know it was around later, had traded up for a quarterback uh, in Jimmy Clausen and took him, I think, in like the late 30s of that, what what would have been the 2010 draft. And then they moved off of him, and, and I, he was probably still on the roster, but they, but they took Cam and basically started from scratch offensively. And that's what the Cardinals did, but they jet-setted Rosen out of town after trading up from the first round. They, they, their paths mirror each other in so many different facets, and people you know, love to talk about the big arms and the mobility, but the difference is Kyler is much more accurate. He's not the physical presence that Cam is, but you're seeing now that that presence has gotten him into trouble over time, over a decade in the NFL, and his body's breaking down, whereas Kyler has the least amount of quarterback hits taken in the NFL this year because of his elusiveness. So I just, I'm always curious to when, when we see comparisons to Lamar and to, to Patrick Mahomes, like those situations aren't at all comparable to what Kyler has inherited with the Cardinals, a team that we love, Blake, that we cover, but is historically one of the worst franchises in the NFL. They have the longest professional championship drought in all of in all of pro sports. After the Chicago Cubs won their championship, it's the Arizona Cardinals or the Cardinal football franchise next up. They've got, I think, the the most losses in NFL history. I mean, Kyler is going against history. Um much to like what what Cam was doing, just with horrifically bad teams, and that's why you pick first overall. Um, and we saw what happened to Joe Burrow, him attempting to do the same with a, a bad Cincinnati team, which I think makes Kyler Murray's MVP case and what he's doing this year that much more uh, miraculous and, and impressive. Um, but we're going to see a Cam Newton this weekend. 
that really his I, I, I don't want to say he can't drive the ball downfield because we saw a couple deep passes last week that looked pretty good, but just his his inefficiencies from I think an intermediate passing game that just isn't there. And goodness, Blake, you know, we, we give Andy Isabella grief and, and Kime more so for that selection of Isabella in that 2019 draft. But, you know, the New England Patriots took a took a receiver 32nd overall that year in Nikhil Harry that a lot of Cardinal fans, including myself, would have loved to have seen end up in the desert. And who knows, had they not taken him, Blake, he probably would have been an Arizona Cardinal at pick 33. And yet the, the <laughs> New England Patriots take Nikhil Harry. The Cardinals get Byron Murphy, who's ended up being a, a nice player for them. Nikhil Harry gets hurt last year, misses most of his rookie season, right? This year, he looks slow. He looks just... Uh, he basically, it's sad. He looks like a shell of himself uh, that that he was in Arizona State. And then you see all of these star-level receivers that, that go right after Nikhil Harry. I mean, the Cardinals didn't have a chance at A.J. Brown and, and Debo Samuel, a lot of these other really talented players, but New England did at at at, at 32. And I'm, I'm putting Byron Murphy aside, and I'm just comparing it with um, with the situation with Isabella. So, the Cardinals are going to see a familiar face to the to the Valley and Nikhil Harry, who, who's just been a complete disappointment. And you hate to see that because I think everybody was was rooting for him to succeed. But, I mean, when you're getting beat out by, in your second year, Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry, I'll, I'll pull it up here, on his, on the season, this is his second season in the NFL, has very actually comparable, comparable numbers to Isabella. 24 catches, 213 yards, one touchdown. I think Isabella's numbers might actually be better than that, which is – that's really unfortunate, and he's only 22 years old, but just the explosiveness, the the run after the catch that we saw at ASU, it's just not there. Um, but, you know, I, di- I digress. This is this is a Car- it's Carolina. This is a New England team that struggles to score points, and for the most part, their point total per game of 20, what is it, 20, roughly 20.1 points per game is skewed by two outings, Blake. It's skewed by weeks two and three. They put up 30 against the Seahawks in a loss. Then they put up 36 against the Raiders in a win. Since then, here are their point totals. 10, 12, 6, 21. Now, they did have 30 against the Jets. You can put an asterisk there. 23 against the Ravens. And then last week against the Texans, 20. So this team, on an average day, is going to put up about one, two to three touchdowns, and that's it. So the Cardinals, who have the best offense in the NFL, and I get it. We saw Bill Belichick earlier in the season limit Kansas City to, I think, like, you know, under 20 points in the first half, ended up losing 26 to 10. But I, I this is this is more so than any game this year, I believe. This is a Cliff Kingsbury don't fumble the game away type of game. And I, I hope he doesn't coach to to try not to lose instead of going for the win. But this is a team that needs to be in New England put out of their misery. And if Cliff Kingsbury goes into this game timid and, you know, completely overwhelmed by Belichick being a Belichick, not disciple, but of course was on uh, an earlier Patriot team in the early 2000s and has a relationship with Bill. And I think, Blake, you and I fully expect after, you know, Kingsbury's short time with, with McVay, I think it was probably only a matter of time before he joined Belichick's staff in, in some capacity before the Cardinals hired him. Uh, I know he was supposed to be the USCOC, but I just think he probably ha- would have had a role there had he wanted it, either as a quarterback coach or whatever, working with McDaniels. I, I just think that he's got to be able just to say, we have such a significant advantage. And I know people are going to kill me because I keep stating this. 
the the talent and the depth personnel for the Cardinals is leaps and bounds better than New England. The only thing New England has on this game is that the Cardinals are coming across East Coast time. Granted, there are no fans, but they look like garbage when they did that earlier this season against Carolina. Took them forever to get going in that game, and it ended up not mattering as they as they lost to Carolina 31-21. And then Bill Belichick. In my opinion, they don't have a they don't have one advantage in this game. The Cardinals are going to be able to apply pressure even with a limited defensive line because Cam has trouble moving and he tends to run into sacks. Now Damian Harris could hurt them on the ground, if, but if New England has to get in, if if the Cardinals are able to stack the box and and we continue to see the maturation of Isaiah Simmons, the Cardinals are going to have all their linebackers healthy this week. They've got Kennard, Reddick, Marcus Golden, um, Hicks, Campbell, Simmons. They've got everybody in their secondary minus Jalen. You know, their defensive line is what it is at this point. I mean, the Cardinals defense has enough pieces this week to be able to hold New England to under 20 points, which means the Arizona Cardinal offense, which can score 20 points in a quarter, should be able to sneeze and 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 come out of, you know, Foxborough with 30 points in a victory. Again, it's just it's on Cliff Kingsbury. Bill's going to try to throw the kitchen sink at him, and I, I just I hope Cliff is ready to be able to weather the storm and 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 put up the necessary points it's going to take to win this game because you just you know that that Bill is going to want to line up in the I formation and run the football directly at the Cardinals biggest weakness and attempt to control the clock and he's going to look back at what Seattle did last week to limit Russ or excuse me to limit Kyler offensively now I do think that was a little bit of a fluke because of the Cardinals you know in a short week with with 4 days after an emotional win against Buffalo but to me the biggest matchup this week is Cliff Kingsbury versus Bill Belichick, Blake. John, uh, the other thing I think that we'll get to see for the Cardinals that we didn't have against the Seahawks was uh, a, a true nose tackle on the front of the line in Demata Pico. I think that him and then seeing if Zach Allen coming back will allow for them to have a fresher rotation. Uh, that, to me, I think is probably going to be part of the key because you're going to be going up against Cam Newton, who will execute the zone read as far as for those concepts. They will utilize... Um, a bit less of what the Cardinals do, which is mostly running out of shotgun, high up-tempo. You're going to see instead a lot more as far as either misdirection or some play action. Uh, really, to me, John, the big thing I think when you're comparing their seasons is that uh, Kyler's kind of thrown for about 250 yards a game so far on pace, and the uh, rushing for probably about 60 yards or so a game. We didn't see that last week against the Seahawks. It was a very atypical type of performance and we saw the Cardinals average about 100 yards less or so than they normally would have you didn't see the rushing game take off you also didn't see Kyler take off and that's a huge piece of their production uh, Cam for his matter has only been thrown for about 211 yards a game but he is averaging this season about 37 or so rushing yards which I think is important now that being said when it comes to averages, there's always, you know, sometimes you'll have over or under. There's really about three or four games this year where he started off in week one. It was, I think, 75 yards, week two, 47. And he's only really actually crossed that, um, uh, what does I say, 60-yard rushing mark one other time, which was against Denver in uh, week number six. Since then, he's basically been, you know, averaging a lot lower, like 10 rushing attempts for 16 yards, 11 for 21 he hardly ran last week at all against Houston, and part of that was Houston came out up front, was able to score on them quickly, and New England was very quickly having to pass while they were behind. That's part of why we saw Demir Bird end up going off for such a huge game as it was. 
I think when you're looking at that, part of what I think the Cardinals have to do then is come into this game similarly to how you viewed the Giants game. You're on the road. You need to be able to develop a strong rushing attack that's going to be able to free up guys for some big gains in the run game, knowing that you may not have access to DeAndre Hopkins, uh, either due to illness or due to just the fact that your passing attack may be a bit anemic against this strong Patriots secondary and maybe it also depends on how Kyler's arm does in the meantime as well this is definitely a matchup I think for the Cardinals where you're going to be looking at a bit of a bounce back from Seattle what you need to do is make sure you don't come into New England get punched in the face allow New England to get pressure with just four guys and then drop those great seven secondary players and I think that we will see the offensive line and the team bounce back a bit I think last week we got to see how both the combination of Seattle getting pressure with just four guys going up against five was threw the Cardinals off a bit, similar to the Panthers game, but they were able to bounce back in the end. It just was unfortunately that it, it took, you know, a, a Kyler Murray getting hit and not being able to, you know, run or take some pressure of some extra hits or other things to kind of have the Cardinals hang in there. But New England's a team, like you said, John, that only when you look at you look at kind of the pattern. And it's very similar. There'll be a team that usually scores about once per quarter, and it's not always touchdowns. It'll be like touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, or maybe they'll open like field goal, touchdown, touchdown, get a late field goal. Sometimes they'll get a late touchdown at least to kind of that's how they pull out some of their uh, four to six wins. But again, this is an important game, I think, for the Cardinals because when you talk about the rest of their schedule, you've got the Rams next week. Uh, we can kind of shift into talking a little bit about the uh, playoff picture now. Uh, this is still a game, like you said, John, that's winnable for the Cardinals. And I think the expectation most people have is if you're going to be one of these playoff teams that's going to be separate from the rest of the you know, the the poor NFC that we've seen, not just the NFC East, but the, the remaining teams like the the Lions, the Panthers, even the Chicago Bears at 5-5. Five and five, They've seemed to kind of taken a turn for the worse where it almost looks like they're identical to the 2012 Arizona Cardinals with multiple quarterbacks, a poor offensive line, poor coordinating. Right now, at least, the Cardinals have a chance to kind of be able to open up the gap and be able to really go in against a... Uh, Rams team that's got one of the more honestly more difficult schedules that's left now it's not the biggest strength of schedule but according to powerrankingsguru.com Cardinals is the fourth easiest schedule the rest of the way they're only beaten out by the Steelers at 10 and 0 which when you get a 10 and 0 team you're pretty likely going to be facing an easier schedule um, particularly considering the AFC North has a bad Bengals team uh, a Browns team that can run the ball super well, but has struggled someone they've had to pass it outside of a late comeback. Uh, Washington, who of course gets the NFC East, and then a Colts team that's got that NFC South schedule, which they've been one of the surprises of the NFL this year in terms of, you know, their offense has actually been pretty good overall. A lot of people knew the defense would be elite. And after that's the Cardinals, who are going to have two games against the NFC East upcoming as well then as a bunch of games against the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, I should say the Rams and then one against the Niners. What's really interesting, John, is if you look at the Rams' upcoming schedule, they squeak one out against the Bucks, but their schedule upcoming is almost all NFC West and one cakewalk game. They go ahead and they're going to play the 49ers and then they'll play the Cardinals. They do get the Rams at, or I should say the Patriots get the Rams at home, so it's going to be in L.A., 
You get a game against the Jets, and then after that, you finish against the Seahawks and against the Cardinals. So they've got four NFC West games that are left, which is more than any other team in that division still. That's a pretty brutal schedule for you to have to go through because not only are the Rams a team that, you know, has gone out and can take it to you at least sometimes this year whenever they don't turn the ball over or have to play Nick Mullins, they've been at least a decent team, if not great. It's this is an example where you need to kind of win this game here because the Rams are already one game ahead of you in the standings. If you're not able to catch up to them, you may be looking at that seventh seed versus the fifth seed. And in a year where the NFC East loser is going to be out of it and Seattle gets, you know, the whole NFC, I should say the whole AFC East basically left to play and some easy games. You've got to take advantage of a winnable game like this and not fall too far behind because, John, I don't think it's enough to just try to get into the playoffs this year. That's the goal. I think your goal is to try to get into the playoffs and win a playoff game this year, get that experience in. That becomes much harder if you're going to have to go in and go against um, pretty much a gauntlet of teams as the seventh seed. Yeah, and I think, Blake, when you think about the, the way this is going to shake out, the Cardinals are, are going to have to be in a position, in my opinion, to lock this up early. Um, and that's going to have to involve them avoiding a long losing streak because, again, we, we talked about it. There are six games left in the, in the season. If they play 500 football, I believe they'll get into the postseason. I think that they've got... Uh, enough of a quality resume and again a, a loss to New England this weekend would be disappointing it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world when you talk about you know your record against conference opponents which the Cardinals are four and three right now against the NFC um, and so that would help them uh, against the likes of you know the Chicago Bears and specifically the Minnesota Vikings who are four and three um, but you figure the teams that that would potentially challenge the Cardinals, because I, in my opinion, Blake, I think the postseason's already set. I think we know who's going to the playoffs, um, and I think we just need to see how it shakes out in terms of the division division winner in the NFC West. I, I think you're going to see the Saints win the South. Uh, certainly, the Packers win the North. Um, I, I guess we, we've got some uncertainty in the NFC East, but I kind of put that in their own separate category because, you know, the losers of the NFC East, you know, they're they're going to not be a factor in the in the wild card race they're more so going to be a factor in the picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft but I think we're just going to have to see okay do the Cardinals make a late run at the division or is it really going to be LA versus Seattle and then how does the wild card situation stack up um, the Cardinals in my opinion their biggest threat to, to, to dethrone them for a wild card spot and again, I know people are, are probably upset and want to continue to talk about the division. I'm just looking at this holistically, and if they put together a little bit of a winning streak, we can have that conversation again. But um, looking at the Chicago Bears, they've lost four straight. They can't score points. Um, they've scored uh, under 20 points in, in three of their last four games. They've still got the Packers on their schedule twice. Um, they have to play Minnesota, who's also in, in competition for a potential wild card spot, even at four and six. I think the Bears could lose to the Texans with the way the Texans are playing with Deshaun Watson right now. Um, I think they could easily lose to the Lions with Matthew Stafford. So I just I think the Bears end up probably closer to a 500 team. Same could be said with Minnesota. And Minnesota to me was was always the bigger threat because um, you know their schedule is a little bit easier. They get Carolina this weekend. They've got the Jags in there, but they do play the Bucks. I mentioned they, they do play the Bears, so that'll cancel each other out. And then they end the season with the Saints and the Lions. Um, so I, I do think, you know, of the six remaining games, they could win four and, and get to 8-8. Eight and eight. 
but you know, had they beaten Dallas, that they could have been able to go on a little bit of run because they, they had won three straight over uh, the Packers, the Lions, and the Bears, um, three straight in their own division. But I just think that that loss to Dallas could end up being um, you know, very disheartening for this team. The teams that the Cardinals could have feared, but I, I think it's just too late, are the teams that beat them in, in the NFC. So Carolina at 4-7, and seven, um, they'd have to play perfect football the rest of the way to even have, a, have an opportunity to challenge the Cardinals if the Cardinals finish 9-7. and seven. Um, And the Detroit Lions, I think, I mean, at 4-6, and six, a lot of people conceivably think they, they could lose out. So I just think that the Cardinals are going to be holding off the two NFC North teams that play each other, play the Packers, could, you know, the Bears and the Vikings could lose on any given Sunday with the way that, you know, their inefficiencies are offensively. The Vikings defense doesn't look like it once was. The Bears have no quarterback. So um, the Cardinals could finish either as any of the wild card spots in five, six, seven, or they could be, you know, the, the division winner. I think that's why this is so exciting. But Blake, I think for us to take them seriously is they got to put teams away they're supposed to, they're supposed to beat. They need to come out of the NFC East 4-0 which I, I believe they will. They're going to take care of business against the Giants and the Eagles later this season. I think, again, you just end up s- splitting with the Rams, and, and you'll, be, you'll be fine. And then can you beat Nick Mullins at home? I, I, think, I think that will be a um, very winnable game for the Cardinals, even with San Francisco already uh, suffering a, a, a loss to Arizona this year and probably be out for blood in that game. But I, this sets up real. You couldn't ask for anything more, I think, as a Cardinal fan. As disappointing as that loss was last week, and we talked about it earlier this week on our pod, coming into this year, I think the expectation was 9-7, and 10-6 was best-case scenario, and that's that's where they're headed. They've got an MVP-caliber player playing quarterback. The defense is better than last year, but still not great. We still have question marks about Kingsbury. We still got big-time question marks about Vance Joseph. I mean, Blake, the season has played out. Typically, as we thought, best case scenario, they're, they're on track to make the postseason and Kyler's playing phenomenal football and they're gaining momentum nationally. Um, they, they knock on wood. They, ha- they haven't had any you know major injuries that have completely derailed this team. You know, the Stars are playing well, the Buddhas, the Hopkins, the Kylers, and you've got some young players like, you know, Isaiah Simmons that were finally get, uh, able to get excited about. Kenyon Drake's running the football effectively. The offensive line looks better than expected. So... I think if we're, if we're talking about if you're if you're celebrating the holidays this year and, and thinking about what to be thankful for with this Cardinal team, I think number one is thankful that we even have football this year. I, I know there were times that Blake and I would record over the summer. And it's like, are we are we even going to get a season? Are we going to have to waste a year on, on Kyler Murray's rookie contract? And are we ever going to see Hopkins play? And not only we're going to get a season, like the, barring something unforeseen, we're going to get a full season, and the Cardinals are going to hopefully be on their way to the postseason with Kyler Murray leading the way and having a, a historic season. I mean, that you, I would have signed up for that, you know, every day on, and, and d- twice on Sunday back in the spring. So feel good about where this team is at. They're, they're competitive every week. They're, I would argue they're one of the best watches in football and not to look too much ahead, Blake, but when you, you know, see how excited people are to see Kyler and company on national TV, the fact that they never let the, the national public down, like so many Cardinal teams did historically, I would not be surprised if the Cardinals had four to five nationally televised games next year, especially tomorrow being Thanksgiving. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and we're, we're having to, to, to eat a, a big helping of Dallas, Washington, and Detroit, Houston. I, I think, you know, I joked on Twitter, fraudulent not to put Kyler on, on Thursday Night Football for the second consecutive week, but I understand the logistics of that, and, you know, the grand scheme of things would not be great. But this... 
nationally, the Cardinals are in demand. They're only going to solidify themselves as that if they make the playoffs and have a an offseason that sees them add even more talent. So it's a good time. It's a good time to be a Cardinal fan. This is the first time since Blake and I started this podcast three to four years ago that we've been able to talk about a winning product this late in the year and certainly be this excited about Cardinal football since 2015. So um, I, with that being said, Blake, we'll wrap it up here with my prediction for the game, um, and then we'll get yours. I think the Cardinals win, and I think that they pull away at the end because I think that they're that much more talented and they've had more time to prepare, even though Cliff is 0-2 off of buys. Um, or is he 0 Yeah, he's 0-2 off of buys. Um, I think the Cardinals put up 30 points. And I think New England puts up maybe 23, um, and it's not particularly close at the end. Um, and I, they're just the Cardinals are too talented. So I'll go 30 to 23. Arizona Cardinals beat New England at New England, moved to seven and four uh, on the season. Blake. Yeah, John. I, I, similar to mine, I think it is actually going to be a bit of a closer game. I, I think part of it will depend on. Can the Cardinals, they've always struggled in the first quarter to put up points. Can they get out and be able to get a lead by the end of the half and be able to kind of see maybe a, a couple of either big plays or some long drives? I think it's going to be one of these kind of more closer back and forth affairs. We've seen the Cardinals essentially play uh, almost down to the level of competition. These are kind of the teams that usually have given them problems. The biggest difference, of course, I think why the Cardinals have the edge is you're not going up against, you know, with a, a Carlos Dunlap. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the defensive line with Brian Burns that the Panthers had about being able to drop four rush seven. I do think that the Cardinals will win this. I have it as 26-23. Uh, I think that this will be one of those kind of games where the uh, Patriots, at least for that one, will maybe have a defensive play that's there or some sort of interception. I think that they'll, with the defensive play, get a bit ahead of Arizona. I think Arizona will claw their way back into the game. And I think it's going to end probably with a Zane Gonzalez field goal uh, where the Cardinals are able to stuff Cam Newton on a third and short. They have to punt it back to Arizona. They drive down the field, kind of leave with the win a little close closer than I think Cardinals fans would have wanted to, but I did want to shift back at least a little bit to that playoff picture before we sign off today. Just looking at some of the up ahead schedule, John, the advantage of the Cardinals in the playoffs this year, as I think people have talked about it, is that there's not any one dominant team on the NFC that hasn't shown an absurd amount of, or what I think you'd call a hamartia or hamartia, a fatal flaw would be what I would call it. The fatal flaw of the Saints right now is with Drew Brees out and his arm looking done. Their defense has been solid, but not great. They beat the, uh, I believe it was the Falcons at least for that one, and it wasn't close, but they've got you know, Taysom Hill at quarterback, and if things don't go well with him, then you move to Jameis Winston. I will be very curious, since they're using Taysom similar to Brees, what it'll be like when they play uh, a tougher defense. Now, maybe they don't get the chance to play a tougher defense since they've got teams like the Eagles, the Vikings, the Falcons again. Uh, the Broncos have definitely struggled. They do get the Chiefs and the Panthers throughout the rest of the season. The Packers, as we've seen, their run defense is just atrocious. They nearly drop a game to Jacksonville last week. And the Buccaneers, of course, just seem to have been one of the most inconsistent teams. The only team that I think really stands out is going to be the how the Seahawks are going to get four cakewalk games next. So, John, this is a spot where you're one game behind the Seahawks. You've got a chance if you can find a way for them, if they drop, you know, a game, so let's say some sort of fluke game where the Giants are able to, with Daniel Jones, like pass against that defense or something. 
you might be able to catch them, but the pressure is on you as far as if you're going to come for this division to be able to try to pick up a game on them by winning some of these games. I don't know if you're going to be able to catch a team like Seattle or the Packers. And in that regard, really, you're going to have to look at the Rams and say, gosh, like the Rams have probably been the most consistent team in the NFC. And then you get a game like Miami where the, they just look absolutely atrocious. Just getting into the playoffs this year with the Cardinals you're going to be one of the scarier teams that people are going to have to face. You're going to be having a solid defense that's shown they can, you know, force turnovers, get after the passer, a decent secondary. It's not like they've got holes in their secondary. And on offense, you're still running the number one offense in the NFL. There's opportunity here, I think, John, for the Cardinals to be able to make some noise and kind of be able to make more of a statement. And that's something I think that when we went into this season, I think a lot of people didn't see it coming. It was like, hey, here's all these teams who are going to get in, and the Niners and the Cardinals are oh, going to be 9-7. and seven. They'll be decent, but they'll get shut out this year. The Niners struggling opened up opportunity for you to be able to get in and make some noise, and I think a lot of that starts on Sunday in terms of the Cardinals being able to put away a team that you know that you're better than versus stumbling and suddenly going, all right, now you're six and five. You're probably going to have to go three and was it three and two then down the stretch. So I think if you can go three and three in these next three uh, next six games, John, get three wins. I think you check the box at nine and seven. You're probably going to be able to get into the playoffs there, barring you know some random turnaround. Can you go four and two? If you're going to go four and two, and I, I think you got to, I think you got two things you got to do to go four and two. You got to steal one from Los Angeles, beat Sean McVay for the first time, you know, in the Sean McVay era. If you're the Arizona Cardinals. And you got to beat the Patriots on Sunday. I think those are the two things you got to do if you want to be able to go four and two down the stretch. I think that gives you a shot at the number five seed, shot to be able to play that NFC East division winner and be able to have a spot to move on to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, or at least, at the very least, you know, if Seattle or someone stumbles or struggles down the stretch, it gives you a shot at the division at least. But I think you got to go four and two if you're the Cardinals, to be able to make a lot more noise this year versus just being kind of that team where like, hey, John, uh, you know, good thing that they opened up that seventh seed this year. The Cardinals might not have gotten in. That's not the conversation I think we want to be having of, you know, that the league kind of gifted the Cardinals a playoff spot because they've gone out and they've effectively earned it, I think, this year, John. They have earned it so far, and you would hate to see it slip away. Yeah, you are what your record is, and I would push back on the people that say that, They've they've won some last many games against Seattle and Buffalo. I mean, they've lost those games in so many other instances in previous seasons. So the margin for error in the NFL, as you know, is is small, and that's why you don't apologize for your record, especially in this division. I don't care if you're playing the AFC East and the NFC East. The, the Cardinals are in one of the best divisions we've seen in recent memory. So, uh, again, a lot of football left to be played, but the Cardinals have no excuse, in my opinion, Blake, the, to take care of business, especially this Sunday against New England, and, and get that forward momentum going um, in route to the postseason. Absolutely. Well, that will be all for our preview. This should be coming out sometime. Hopefully you've been able to get a bit of your Black Friday shopping done, staying safe at least for that. Uh, we'll see if there's any other news or updates. Uh, if there's any other big news that dropped in between the time that this posted or not, or if there's, you know, with the, all the crazy Thanksgiving stuff going on, we'll have to see in the NFL. Um, you can find any of those updates will always be on revengeofthebirds.com. That's where you'll be able to find our content, uh, as well as this podcast. We'll post all of them there as articles for you to find. 
You can also check and find uh, the rest of our content there as well. And all of these podcasts we posted on ROTB Pod. You can find them through Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, uh, places like iHeart and Himalaya as well. You can find me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. John, where can the listeners uh, find you and the rest of your content and your tweets? Yes, of course. My many tweets, uh, they're at Johnny Venerable on Twitter. Of course, here on the RLTV podcast and revengeofthebirds.com. And then I do a post-game Periscope show on Twitter, talking Cardinal football with you, uh, the fans. Blake and I love it. We're, we're so appreciative of your continued support of the show. Um, and I hope to you, Blake, and to everybody listening, you're able to have somewhat of a safe and, and normal uh, holiday season this year and and hopefully enjoy it with a with an extra cardinal victory in your back pocket too absolutely it's the start kind of of that four day weekend hopefully we can cap it off with a cardinals victory it's a case of the old versus the new who will be triumphant cliff kingsbury formerly a player for bill belichick potentially like we said john i, I do think if they had lost their offensive coordinator brian uh, i should say um Josh McDaniels uh, to another team. He may have been kind of that guy uh, as a possibility. Um, he was obviously very well thought of by Bill Belichick. And then the old versus the new in terms of uh, the electrifying play of number one Cam Newton against number one Kyler Murray. We'll be here next week to break it all down on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. For now, we'll sign off. Take care, everyone. Have a good, safe Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving weekend.